Sensational. One of the tracks off the Family Tree album, which is the new record out now by my guest this week. You may know her as the singer from The Bamboos. You may know her as the singer from Cooking on Three Burners. Kylie Aldis joins me in the chat cave this week. And you can find all of their music and all of her music on all the digital platforms and in any good music retailer. And I'm going to be spinning Waste of Time and the title track Family Tree throughout this episode. But before I do send you off to the interview, don't forget iTunes is a great place to buy music and subscribe to podcasts like this very podcast you're listening to coming up next with Alistair Marks. You can also rate and review the show in that same very spot and you'll be able to find the entire back catalogue of creative rambles that lead up to this episode, which incidentally is episode number 71. So now that you've got a nice funky playlist happening, you've put your disco boots on, you subscribe to Coming Up Next, it's time to sit back or stand up or continue walking, or however you're enjoying it, please enjoy my chat with Kylie Aldist. Thank you so much, Kylie, for jumping on this uh, this interview with me. I know it's a horrendous time of the morning on a Sunday for you. Um, it's uh, And it's Saturday night for me, and I apologize in advance if you hear any uh, explosions in the background. Um, it's not that <coughs> London is under siege, it's just that it's Guy Fawkes Day and people seem to like to blow things up. Well, it sounds awesome. It's very cool, actually. I was just driving home from work and there were... Um, there were just fireworks lighting up the streets of London uh, on my drive home. Well, it sounds very glamorous to us over here where it's illegal. <laughs> uh, unless you go to Canberra. <laughs> uh, it's not even legal there anymore. Oh, really? I, I guess I haven't no. been to Canberra for a while. Yeah, my husband's from Canberra and we used to always be able to get them from there, but it's been a long time gone now. Right. But anyway, uh, all that to say, thank you for for jumping on the call with me. And you you said uh, in our kind of correspondence setting this up that you'd actually been in the UK recently. Um, was that was that touring? Yeah, I do. I've um, been over there three times this year because I was singing this girl to people at nightclubs. And that's kind of um, that's kind of really taken off as a. I mean, not recently, but something that has um, really something that really propelled you uh, as as an artist and as a musician um, up the up the kind of uh, stratosphere I suppose and and it's almost had a bit of a rebirth this year hasn't it oh completely well it's an it was an eight-year-old song and um, yeah so I'm oh, sorry there's a dog next door to my house I can't water the garden um, it's an eight-year-old song and it was remixed by a French boy who um, it comes, you know, and so now, it's, and then it was um, number 30 for a long time in France and we were looking at it going, this is interesting. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it just kept on going up and up and up and up and we're going, oh, and then it went to number two in England for quite a long time. And so I've been back and forth singing in um, lots of amazing clubs. I can't believe how big the nightclubs are there. And when you're when you're touring that, are you touring with uh, the band Cooking on Three Burners that you? No, with a with a USB stick. Okay, cool. Because it's like um with a DJ, so realistically you go into big nightclubs and you just I just go and sing three songs or whatever, and then and then leave. Wow, <laughs> it's outrageous. Uh, sometimes I've done two clubs in a night. Yeah, it's and then do like three or four clubs in a row, and then and go home. It's bizarre. 
Wow, it must be quite a whirlwind sort of experience for you. Absolutely. I mean, before before I was with the Bamboos, I never went to um, I'd never been to England before in my life. Mm. Um, so now I've been three times in a year. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What was the What was it like the first time that you came here? What was your What were your kind of impressions? Oh, I got a. I loved it. I got a record deal. It was um, you know, everything was beautiful. I, I, just the people were fun and. You know, I, I like I like beer, so you know we all got on well. And um, <laughs> um, yeah, we we um realised that the, as you said, the uh, fireworks were, were legal, so we all got um fireworks and went out to a paddock and let off rockets. Had the best time ever. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> anything? Uh, any any anything bad happen? Not that I remember. No, nobody blew off their arms or legs. So. <laughs> That was good. <laughs> well, that's that's very important. Mostly the arms uh, as a musician, um, because uh, they're they're quite useful. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that I love to talk about with people is if they remember the first time that they did the thing that they now do for a living. Right. In in, in kind of looking into your background. I noticed yeah. that you recorded your first song when you were six years old. Now, normally I like to ask people when the first time they entertained was, uh, right. or if they remember that. Um, so I'm going to guess that based on the fact that you recorded your first song at age six, that you probably had been doing some performing up to that point already. Well, I think that was just some um, poetic license because realistically it was just a cassette that my dad and I did um, for my grandparents and because my pa- my grandparents lived a long way away from us. So we recorded this <laughs> this um, a whole tape and my auntie brought it out one day. She's like, do you remember this? I was like, oh, my God. But I was listening to it and I actually could sing really well when I was six. So it was sort of like sound like Michael Jackson, you know, like big words. But, I mean, the only thing that was wrong was, you know, my breathing in the wrong spaces. But, um, yeah, my family always made me – um you know sing we had sing-alongs all the time and I was the one who could sing the best so I had to sing all the songs and I always remembered the words for some reason so everybody would always you know like if they were having a party they'd get me out of bed and go sing that song sing that song um so I think yes I was entertaining the family from a long from an early age very much so Mm. was music something that was really uh, in your family were your parents musical at all yeah, so my dad would always be like playing the guitar, you know, like we, we had like, um, no, we were up north of Broken Hill in the middle of nowhere and we had no um, no TV, I suppose you could say. So, um, yeah, we had uh, the guitar and we'd all sit around and have sing-alongs and, and that was our fun time. Yeah, wow. So, and that's what we do every, like at Christmas and whenever we get together, we'll just have sing-alongs and everybody knows the same old songs. What are some of the songs nice. that you uh, that you sing, or that you were um, singing? All the, uh, probably Slim Dusty songs and um, uh, yeah, that when we were kids, you know, like uh, me and Bobby McGee, and you know, Stuball was a racehorse. All sorts of like dorky old songs. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Do you have uh, <laughs> do you have any particular memories of of doing that and feeling? quite inspired or like that was something that you just really loved doing uh, it was always just fun I mean I'm I like I like seeing as I was saying it's like I'm um, skipping some more of your explosions like a, it's like a jump rope sort of thing you know once you get into it it's really um yeah I always enjoyed it because singing is e- so easy for me mm. 
um, and singing together with other people. I love it. I always yeah. loved choirs and harmonizing. Do you find something there's there's something quite communal about about the process and about the kind of I guess the energetic kind of experience of it? Uh, yeah, I guess I you, you, I never think about it. It just it's so natural and it just it is. And if it, you know, whenever anybody's singing, I mean, I've got sons that do it too. They can um they harmonize with anything that um anyone's you know whenever somebody starts singing, we'll all just like join in and sing the harmony. Yeah, wow. It's awesome. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it's really fun. And so you said you grew up in Broken Hill. Um, when did you move from Broken Hill? I guess first of all, what was what was that experience like for you growing up in uh, in a place like that? That was beautiful. Uh, I didn't have to wear shoes. Didn't uh, I learned to ride a bike mostly because I couldn't touch the ground because it was so hot. Um, it was boiling, boiling hot up there, and I did um, School of the Air, which is um, correspondence, you know, and so we'd talk on the, um, uh, what's it called, uh, like a transistor radio, not a transistor, but it was like, a, um, anyway, like we'd talk to our teacher via via radio, and um, my mum my was the teacher, and so we'd finish our school work at, like at lunchtime and run off out into the bush and just hang out and do nothing, for, you know, like play games and be stupid. Make cubby houses, and um, yeah, no, it was it was bliss. It was freedom. That's quite amazing. And what sort of music did you personally listen to while you were growing up? Well, I just was doing what I was told by my parents at that age. Really, <laughs> um, I, I didn't think there was such a thing as any other music. <laughs> mm. um, so I just listened to whatever my dad's record collection. Um, then, when I was nine, we moved to Hay in South Wales. And um, that's when I sort of went to school for the first time. And, um, yeah, then so, well, I realised when I got there that, that actually my mum had done a really good job of schooling us because we were a year ahead. <laughs> and um, so school was pretty easy for me. And um, and so, yeah, then after we, lived, we were there for like two years and then my dad got a job in India. So we went, we went to India and I met a, I went to an international school and I met a heap of people that showed me all this new music. So, yeah, that was pretty exciting. That's quite, that's amazing. That's remarkable um, to kind of have that sort of transition. It must have been quite a uh, quite an eye opening experience and a culture shock. Yeah, to be going Absolutely. between such diverse places. Uh, do you? <laughs> yeah. What do you remember of that kind of experience? Well, it was luckily that I'd been brought up north of Broken Hill in 45-degree-plus temperatures <laughs> because it, <laughs> India was very much like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was just talking to somebody about it the other day that <clears throat> India probably was the best time of my life. I loved it. It was just such um, so many colours and smells and experiences and just so much going on. And um, then on the way back from India, we went through Singapore and went to the, I think it was, and we're at the... Um, at the airport, and it was just so sterile. And I couldn't, we couldn't believe it. It was just, whoa, there's nobody sleeping in the toilets. There's no cows on the runway. Yeah. <laughs> it was just amazing. But yeah, no, I, I went to an, um, an international school in India as well, and I, 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 like a small one first, and then I went to a boarding school down in the south of India. That was just amazing. It was up a mountain, and all the way up there was like waterfall, waterfalls, and just beautiful 
but also up all the way up was trucks falling down the side and buses falling down the side of the road. It was like, <laughs> don't look. And there were signs saying, don't look at the waterfalls because you'll crash. Huh. And evidence of such. <laughs> <laughs> when you were being exposed to this new music by um, by some of your fellow international students, is there anyone that kind of sticks out in your mind as being like uh, a kind of expansive experience or someone where you listened to and it was something you'd never heard before and it would just really kind of resonated with you? Um, well, I don't know any one particular person, but I guess when I was younger, I didn't, I hadn't heard much black American music, you know, so like I heard Earth, Wind and Fire and I, I was blown away. And then, um, I guess when I got older and I found Prince, I was, I was, he just blew me outside the square, you know, like coming from such a little, a little backwater and having listened to, um, you know, Griffith Radio, 2IG, it was <laughs> like, um, it was like, you know, my jerk moment, you know, the jerk, Steve Martin. Oh yeah. Yeah. And when he finally hears that really dorky music and he's like, oh, that's me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And I heard this music and I was like, oh, hello. And so, like, yeah, Prince just went everywhere. You know, he just, there was nothing he couldn't do and no note he couldn't sing and nothing he wouldn't sing about. And I think that that's, you know, those those are probably two pretty good references uh, of, you know, where your, your musicality uh, is kind of uh, embedded nowadays. Uh, so when you were in India... Um, how 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 many years were you there for? Uh, just two and a half, really. Yeah, but it was at a really formative age, I guess, from eleven to thirteen. And did you do you feel as though you know you kind of took something from being immersed in that culture that you still carry with you today, and that you've kind of uh, put into your creative life? Uh, well, I guess it, it toughened me up and it opened my eyes to what's going on in the world. I mean, you know, uh, I guess songwriters, yeah, I mean, they're in their own private little world, aren't they? And they're, they're just giving a little snapshot of what they're thinking about and it could it could be anything. But, you know, like I love listening to um, Ben Folds talking about how he goes, yeah, I wrote another song about how I was at school and I got teased. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but, um yeah, there's just so many, so many things to write about, and sometimes that could, that can be a bit too much. And sometimes I just think, ah, oh, I've seen so much, and and it makes you a bit apart from other people because you know, like when you see people who are just who don't understand that other things exist in the world, it makes you a bit bored and annoyed, and you just sort of feel like oh, maybe I'm alone a bit, you know. Mm. So that there's other people like it's only my brothers that that have been through all that with me. And um, so, yeah, I mean, like, not to bag out Australians, but we're just so we're so sheltered and we don't understand what other people go through in, in the world, I think. And, um, yeah, that can be uh, – it just can be a little bit annoying and a little bit like, oh, you guys, it's like they've got blinkers on their eyes a bit. Mm. Do you feel like you try and explore that those sort of themes in your art? No, not really. I don't think I do at all. I think I, do, I think it just gives me a deeper understanding of the world. And, like, I've never really been 
a searcher, you know what I mean? Like it's probably good for me that my parents forced me to do all those things because I would have just been one of those people sitting at home with a bag on my head, you know, <laughs> and I'm very happy. Like tuck a bag. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very happy to sit at home and and uh, go nowhere because I'm I'm very happy with my family and I'm lucky to have a lovely life, you know. So <clears throat> I know there's a lot of my brothers and I, we were in Bhutan together, and um, it was just hilarious because we were just you know kicking our legs over the top of a cliff in the Himalayas, going God, I wish we were in Hay at a party with our friends, hmm. and we were like you know all our um, I said there's people that walk that you know walk up um, hills, work, work three jobs so they can come over here and walk up hills. And we're like, oh, what an idiot. <laughs> like, <laughs> why would you want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just got taken there, you know, and showed all these beautiful things and, you know, flying past Mount Everest in the cockpit with the pilot and going, oh, you know, just so many little adventures that so many people have, haven't had and we're just still wishing to be with our friends in a, a little backwater. <laughs> mm. Do you think that having grown up in a little backwater has given you that really strong sort of sense of community? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And also I think it's given me confidence, you know, so that I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm safe. I'm not really hitting out at anyone, you know. Mm. (laughs) And so I'm quite happy. And I think that really really, um, translates into my music that, you know, I don't. I don't really write angry songs as such. I mean, I'm quite fierce, I suppose. Um, I'm just. I'm not scared of much, and I guess that's. Yeah, that that really has translated into the music. I think it's important in uh, in any kind of art form that you try to be as uninhibited as possible when you're creating. And I think if you have, uh, if you're surrounded by kind of by trust and by love, you probably won't have as much or you probably won't be as predisposed to that kind of self-judgment or anything you know you you, you might be a bit more free with your creative oh, yeah. flow. I am when I'm a, when I'm in a room with say Lance Ferguson and you know there's a few other friends that I write with I, I do feel really free and and I'm so happy lucky to have that but you know, on the other hand I guess there's also the part where you um you don't want to offend anyone, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I just don't want to offend the people that I love, I suppose. Um, so, you know, if you're writing songs, you know, about this out of the other, you don't want your mum to know, or you don't want your brothers to know, you don't want your, you know, your, your kids to know. There's just a lot of things I suppose you can't write about. Well, you can write about them, but you have to hide it, you know. Mm. And I don't know what it is. I just when I don't really, I'm not a poet or anything. Like I, don't, I don't sit around thinking of lyrics or writing lyrics or anything. I, I Somebody will bring music to me, and when I hear the music, I'm like, I hear a melody and then something fits to that melody and then I'll hear a word and then something will go on there and it's just like I go on a little little journey in my head and whatever it seems to fit and then it's like, oh, that works. And then I'll listen to it years later and go, that's really actually okay. Whereas at the time I thought, mm, okay, that'll do, that'll do. Yeah, it just seems to come from somewhere and I don't really know where. <laughs> <laughs> a divine source. It is, yeah. I do feel like I'm in touch with the music at some stage. You know, I do feel like I'm kind of uh, touching the universe sometimes. Is that something that you feel maybe you that you connected with when you were in India? Did you do any sort of songwriting? I know you said that you, you're not a kind of poetic musician in that way, but um, well, what was the first uh, song that you wrote? Was it that song that you recorded when you were six? No, no, I don't. Oh, geez, that's a good question. I think probably... The first songs that I wrote was with um, Curtis Late, and there was sort of a, 
a bit of a hard time in my life because I'd just become a mum and, um, yeah, it was it was hard. I think, yeah, there were some songs that we were writing around that time, but but that band sort of fell apart and and uh, Dan took all the the masters and nobody ever heard the songs again. So some of them are lost in time. But uh, oh god, that's a hard question. I mean, it's sort of like it sort of crept upon me, and I think mostly they were about my family and about just you know what I knew. Yeah, I think in, in India, I, I think I was listening to songs. That's when I started to listen to the lyrics, you know, because you, when you're a teenager, that's you know, it's like that's when you listen to pop music and you think, oh, that song's written for me, and I can I can hear myself, you know. When if it's the to the way to write a good song, apparently, is to um, make it so that other people can think it's about themselves, mm. because teenagers are always, you know. Naval gazing and thinking about themselves at all times, <laughs> <laughs> and so all songs are about them. Mm. And then, yeah, when I came back from India, I found my auntie's record collection, and I had um, Jackson Brown. Now he's a good storyteller, so I was listening to all his lyrics as well. And then I, I sort of stumbled upon, I guess, um, Joni Mitchell and Hedra, and oh uh, yeah, I was just, I guess, I started to get more into um, American storytelling music. And what was it about the kind of uh, funk, soul, R&B, disco kind of groove that really, that you really kind of uh, connected with? Uh, the bass. The bass. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't stop myself moving to it. It's just, it's so fat and it's just like, um, it just, it just makes you move. And um, I, I just realized I didn't, I didn't sort of understand what, it, what was going on until, you know, you hang out with musos and they explain things to you. But I never really got into David Bowie until Niall Rogers got involved and it was like, oh, now I know why I like it because it's got a good bass on it. It's got that feeling that, that, that um, I suppose it's just a black sound, I don't know. Anything that makes you uh, want to move your hips. And I suppose it's not like it wasn't – it's not real fast. It doesn't have to be really fast to make you dance, but it has to be just, just slow enough that you can get your hips from one side to the other, you know. <laughs> Dreaming in color Secretly I 
Speaking of soul music, to kind of, I guess, uh, go off on a little bit of a tangent, you were part of a uh, a lineup in, uh, is it a national lineup? The the Women of Soul uh, that was curated yeah. by uh, Chelsea Wilson, who was on, uh, who was on this podcast as a guest, not long ago. Nice. How do you feel? the the kind of music scene is in Australia for women in this kind of genre or any genre of music really. Um, that was something that I spoke with Chelsea about a little bit. It seems fine to me. I mean, everybody, I, I play with a lot of boys. It's a, it seems to be a boys game, but only because, well, I'll, I don't know why. I mean, the women have sold a lot of fantastic singers in that and um, we've all got bands and we all seem to be doing okay. Um, I think though, um, I was talking to a friend of mine, Susanna Espy, who's a fantastic uh, country singer over here, sort of country blues soul. 
And we were just sort of talking about how we could have gone a lot further if we weren't mothers. I was talking to a girl who, um, a lovely girl, Katie Baker, who's, um, she's been on tour for like a year now. And that's the only way to make it really is to just keep going, going, going. But when you're a mother, you, you just cannot do that. You have to be home. You know, like it seems to me the harder I tour, the harder I have to actually cook and clean <laughs> just to prove that I can do it all. When did you, when did you, um, you said you had two sons. Mm-hmm. When, how old are they? Uh, Reggie's 22 and Jimmy's 12. Amazing. And how do you kind of define family and how that kind of fits into the creative process? Yeah, they're my everything, I guess. And that's, you know, when Reggie was little, I was a single mother and he just came with me everywhere. He'd come to rehearsal, you know, I just have to, he just was part of it. And now he's a beautiful drummer and singer himself. And uh, I think, you know, I probably ruined his life by making him, <laughs> you know, a musician. <laughs> but he can't help it. And and he's very talented as well. So, yeah, what what can you do? If it calls to you, you just have to go there, I suppose. And Jimmy's got a great he's, – he's a sports person, but he can sing and he's a good rapper and he's just he loves music and listens to it all the time. So they're both absorbed by it. But, yeah, I just – I mean, family's what grounds me and I suppose that's um, that's who you go to and, you know, what you need. Yeah, they're my favourite. I, I love it. My, all my cousins or, you know, my aunties and uncles and, like, my family time. So, you know, my mum and dad were, my, like, my best friends and I would always want to hang out with them and – so a lot of people think, oh, you know, they don't hang out with their family, but my family is my favourite people. What is it about family for you that that, that you love? Because they're funny and interesting and <laughs> intelligent <laughs> and uh, and we're really good at, you know, we, all, we get the same jokes, I suppose. It's the in-jokes that you like, isn't it? I don't know, but they're just good fun. We drink together, we hang out, we eat, we, you know, we have great times. And all around Australia, like the Brambies always tease me because I, the guest list is filled, filled up with my family. <laughs> and they're like, how, much, how big is your family? I'm like, it's quite big. And like my cousins, you know, they're my built-in best friends. I reckon, you know, they're good fun. Do you, Have you found it a challenge to kind of sustain? I know that you, you mentioned just before about, you know, having kids as a musician means that you're kind of sacrificing either touring or you're sacrificing motherhood or you're trying to do both yeah. and possibly burning out. Yeah, I found it very difficult, yeah, because I, um, well, just recently I've been on tour and it's been so exhausting. Like I was, I've uh, been gigging all week and weekend and then I'm going today to uh, Bendigo. So, yeah, I haven't been home a lot. I mean, luckily my husband's here and my son's 12 now, so he can sort of look after himself a bit, you know, like get himself you know, some breakfast and, you know, this, that and the other. But realistically, it's not favourable. Um, so touring is the hard part. And, I mean, I only do it once a year for a very small time. And I don't I don't know how musicians can do it sort of like on the road, like the Cat Empire. They just go and live on the road. Um, or they have a bus and all that sort of stuff. But really, I, I'm as a father, I think it's different to be away from your kids than it is for a mother. And... I, I do feel that um, I feel exhausted and I just feel like and um, there's no food in the house. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, when you've got sons, you do feel like, I don't know, something, it's, it's pathetic and sexist, but you do feel like you have to, you know, pan to them and cook them a lot of food and <laughs> make sure they've got clean clothes and, you know, just do everything for them. Mm. As my mum says, we, we train our sons for divorce. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like I'm going to do everything for you, and if you can't find a woman that does everything for you, then she's not good enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I yeah I think oh I don't know I, if if I had a I did always say that I didn't want to get too close to the flame because then I would I'd leave behind the others that I love. So and it does seem to be that way. So you know, going over to England hundred thousand times and being on the road in Australia, it's just, you know, I have to ask favours of other parents to help me with basketball, to help me with this, with that, you know. It's, yeah, it's not really that cool. Do you feel like, uh, how long have you been married for, if you don't mind my asking? Uh, 16 years, two days ago, and I saw my husband for half an hour. Oh, well, <laughs> well congratulations. <laughs> <On our> anniversary. <laughs> Thanks. It's quite amazing. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, yeah. you know, being being a musician and, and as we've kind of been discussing throughout this uh, with the amount of work that's required for that and touring and all that, have you found it challenging to kind of sustain an intimate relationship with him and how have you managed to kind of overcome those? Well, yeah, well, I guess every day is a new day and uh, he just has to be patient <laughs> and kind. He's, oh, he's made me a coffee. That's not a real coffee, no. Thank you, Brett. He's made me a coffee. coffee oh, it's a coffee martini, right? <laughs> coffee teeny. <laughs> well, yes. Um, you know, I guess. Well, my mum always just used to say to me because my dad would work overseas for two two years at a time and then come home, and my parents would be apart for a long time. But and everybody else was going, "How do you do that?" Uh, and my parents, because you know they were quite intellectual, they were saying everybody has to have something to bring to the table. You can't have the same conversation day in day out. And it just gets boring. So, you know, if you actually look forward to seeing each other and actually, um, you know, have something to say when you do see each other, and <laughs> then it's a bit more interesting, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he, he works as well. So, like, he was working offshore and going away for a month at a time, and that was really hard. Um, and he he does shift work, so we sort of do tag team a bit, but it's like, you know, when, if you get to hang – like, when we have a day off, we'll go out for lunch, so that's nice, you know. Mm. <laughs> we like hanging out together when we see each other. What do you think the, I guess, the cornerstones of, uh, of, of, of continuing to make that work have been for you over the last uh, 16 years? Well, we've both got parents that have been married for 40 years and we've both got big families and brothers and sisters and uh, we've both got work ethic and, uh, and we share a family and a house and, you know, it's all those things. We, we like our family. We like our house. We like, you know, each other. We want to make it work. You know, it's like... We both, we were both, I suppose, being given that sort of um, no, don't give up ethic. <laughs> and, and but yeah, he's always been al- allowed me to sing and, and supported me in that. So that's you know, he understands that's who I am. Yeah. So, so I guess he's kind of seen a, a, a huge kind of progression in your career because. Yeah, he doesn't like that so much. He's just whapping the ventures in the background, mumbling because he was always like, well. As soon as you finish with this singing business, we'll go and lift down the coast. And then as, soon as, <laughs> as soon as I started getting a bit more famous, he was like, oh, we, no, I'll never get to go down the coast. <laughs> Those are for the retirement years. Yeah. He was thinking it was all over any minute now. Maybe it is. Who knows? You know, it's a fickle industry, isn't it? Could be over tomorrow. And then nobody wants to see you sing anymore. It's like, all right, let's go then. So if ever I complain about it, he's like, okay, are you done? Okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, one more album. Just wait. 
Well, I suppose he would have seen you from kind of, you know, your days of gigging solo or with uh, sessional kind of musicians through to... Yeah, he was... Sorry, go on. He was at my gig where I played to two deaf ladies, so... <laughs> was that, is that something that actually happened? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, it was outrageous. It was quite hilarious. I was in one of my favourite bands, Heavier, and... um. We were playing at the pub and the pub put us on and how they tried to get people to come out and watch us was to put on sausages, free sausages, right? So so people would come out from the bar to the lounge, get their free sausage and just go back into the bar and not listen to us at all. And then two ladies came out and sat down and looked at us and then they started dancing and then our friend, and then a guy who was with them came up and said that they really liked our gig and that they were deaf. And <laughs> we were like, well, why are they dancing? And he goes, because like, they can feel the drums. <laughs> right. And they were the only two people in the audience. So well, that was great. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that was my, my whole audience. And so, yeah, he was at that gig. He didn't lose hope. <laughs> <laughs> And um, the other, the only other gig that the worst, probably other worst gig I did was when we had um, nobody in the audience except the sound guy who kept on clapping after every song. <laughs> 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 and we're like, can you not? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a long hard ride. I don't know why I haven't given up. It's ridiculous, really. Well, I suppose probably around 2006, you probably would have been uh, starting to get pretty happy that you hadn't given up. Yeah, true, yeah. So that's when I met the Bamboos. I mean, I had already met them. They'd already been, they were already friends of mine from years. And Lance and I played together in another band called Polyester over the years. Um, but I just sort of had, had moved to the suburbs and um, they thought I'd given up singing, but I hadn't. I just wasn't having any success. So, but, you know, Lance Ferguson is just such a, a workhorse that anything he does turns to gold, I suppose. And, um, yeah, he, he never gives up. I think he writes an album a day or something like that. <laughs> Insane. Insane work <laughs> ethic. Crazy creatives. And so how did you Maybe. feel as though things – was that the kind of uh, nexus point where things really started to pick up for you or – Yeah, because the Bambies, you know, they took me off around the world. I went to England. I went, we went to all the, you know, Switzerland. We went to Belgium. Oh, it was amazing, like – I'd never seen anything like it. And, I mean, it was kind of cool because we did it all on a shoestring and we were just sort of starting out. But, um, yeah, it was just – it was such an adventure. It was amazing. And you also got to start working with um, Cooking on Three Burners as well not long after that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I loved working with those guys. And we did um, we did an English in, in Europe tour as well, which was so fun. And I think it's just, you know, when you're younger and you're poor and you're all just sort of in the same boat – Everything just seems that it's like you just it's um it's more mind blowing, I think. You know, like if you do it like we went the other day I went with um one of the nice young boys that plays in my band for me sometimes and um we took him on tour with us and we were like in the lounge and then we were, you know, staying in nice hotels and we were staying here and it was here we were like it's not really the same, is it? <laughs> it was like and then he was because one of the boys is he's gold um, so he can get, you know, baggage and, and priority here and there and everywhere. So, But um, this young boy goes, oh, isn't there a line, like, for us that, you know, we don't have to go with all these people? <laughs> We're like, oh, it doesn't take long, mate. It doesn't take long to get used to that, does it? <laughs> mm. He's like, I don't want to be in this line with these people. <laughs> it, it really does kind of all become about the journey of it, though, doesn't it, to kind of go back to what you were saying about, you know, 
the fancy hotels and whatnot. I mean, it's nice to kind of have luxury and all that sort of thing, but when you're kind of doing it as a as a kind of team unit and everyone's kind of in in this kind of in the trenches, so to speak. Yeah, it's so much more meaningful, I guess. And I'm just so happy that I've had that. I mean, like, you don't want to do it every day, and it does hurt. Let's not get me, you know, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, sharing, you know, disgusting accommodation like bunks and, you know, toilets down the hall with with, with um with the bamboos and cooking on three bamboos, you know, it, it makes you a family, mm. which is nice. And, you know, you have those experiences forever. You can't, you know, you're, they're my brothers now. Mm. Do you have any uh, any particularly fond memories of touring with either either band? Oh, so many. I can't even, you know, I can't remember. Just, yeah, basically being, um, you know, lost together in so many ridiculous places. I remember Jake Mason falling off the stage in Switzerland. That was hilarious. <laughs> fell off the stage? <laughs> yeah, he was just getting so into it that he um his keyboard fell off the stage and then he fell off his stool. <laughs> <laughs> How did the audience <laughs> respond? Oh, I, I think they did, they all were shocked and they just pretended it wasn't happening. I think they were quite kind to him. <laughs> we weren't. <laughs> and did you ever kind of observe any of their kind of creative processes when it came to songwriting? You know, kind of talking earlier about uh, that getting into that creative flow or that zone. Or I think uh, you said, you know, kind of touching the universe when you're in that in that mode. Um, did you ever kind of yeah. see or experience that with them? Well, I mean, I've written with them, with both of those guys. And um, it, I, no, I think more like for me, I think when I'm in that mode, it's when I'm singing. That's when I'm in the music. Um, but writing is more like work, I think. And so when, yeah, like, but I just, I like that Lance just basically get, you know, poke a sharp stick at me and goes, write or starved. <laughs> so yeah, he's very much like shows me that it's a it's hard work and you just have to do it and you have to be forced to do it because I would just procrastinate until it just didn't happen. It's funny how much that discipline, uh, how how important it is, and and uh, I suppose overlooked it can be, um, perhaps from the outside in, when it comes to creative lives uh, and how, you know how you at a certain point you need to accept that there is a massive element of it that is going to be work and it's going to be hard work. It's not all going to be. Yeah. Well, there's only the, the one hour or one and a half hours, maybe two max that you're on stage doing the music. The rest of it is sound check, waiting, 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 waiting at airports, leaving your family, not being home, losing your luggage, which just happened to me this weekend. Oh, that wasn't very happy. You know, it's like, as the Rolling Stones said, you know, we've been in the Rolling Stones for 50 years, but we've only been playing music for 10 years. The rest of it's been waiting at airports. (laughs) It's very true. (laughs) It is. And, you know, we were at Soundcheck the other day, and Yuri always says, they can put a man on the moon, but they can't get rid of Soundcheck. And it's just like, it's the bane of our lives. (laughs) It's so horrid. Well, what do you think it is when you do get to finally go on stage and you can kind of forget about your lost luggage or your airport weights. What do you think it's it magic. is? It's magic. Well, it's just the, the music, it's the buzz, it's the electricity of the crowd. It's just, you know, it's, um, ah, oh, that's what you do it for. It's, that's like a drug, I suppose, that bit. And, um, I mean, I, don't, I get really nervous if I'm putting on my own show. It's okay if it's a festival and people are just going to be there anyway. 
But if people have actually come to see you and they expect something from you, then I, I find that <laughs> incredibly stressful. But um, as soon as the music starts, I'm like, well, there's nothing I can do about it now. I'm just going to go for it. Mm. So, And then I just enjoy it. And it's, it's like bungee jumping into the music. I love it. Oh, wow. It's <laughs> a lovely, uh, lovely metaphor. Do you find it to be quite a <laughs> spiritual almost experience? Pretty much, yeah. I do. And it's also pretty awesome to be able to sing your own lyrics and your own songs to people and they respond, you know, that's that's magic. Mm. I mean, yeah, who gets to do that? Yeah, very, very, very and lucky I mean, people. Very, yeah. And I would love it if you got to the point where you sing a song and everybody knows the words. I mean, that's sort of the thing that, you know, like I saw that I was um, touring with this beautiful girl, Aradna from New Zealand, and she um, she's number one in New Zealand at the moment. <clears throat> and... um. She had all these beautiful Islander girls at her show and they all ran up the, up the front and started singing along and was like, oh, it was so gorgeous because, you know, Islanders can all sing in tune and um, and they were all singing along to her songs and it was just like, wow, what a cool thing. Mm. If you have that in your life, I reckon you're done. Well, I imagine you would have had that a fair bit with uh, this girl. Oh, yeah, true. That's hilarious. But see, I didn't write that, so it's not as fun. Yeah, I guess so. But- <laughs> But you do have but an it's album. Still, it's still amazing. But you do have an album that's uh, that's come out quite recently, uh, Family Tree. Tell me about that. Well, it's my um, well fourth solo album with Lance Bergson. It's actually realistically my fifth because I did the album with Heavy Earth first. But yeah, it's it's new. It's new style of music. It's like um, it's still got the funk and soul element in the background underneath because you know <clears throat> you can't take away who who we are. But it's got the boogie that's been added by Graham, Graham Pogson. I always wanted to do it. It sort of reminds me of the music that I did, uh, that, I, that I loved in the 80s or, that you know, when I was a, a teenager, I guess, you know, after, I, you know, what, the pop music that, that I was into, at, you know, in the 80s. And, and what sort of, uh, I suppose, inspiration lyrically have you taken or has it just kind of been a, a very organic uh, evolution yeah, well, I was sitting in a room with Graham and, and Lanson and then stuff just flew, uh, just flowed, I guess. It was just, um, I mean, it's, it's not particularly deep and meaningful lyrics. It's just uh, just how I was feeling on the day, really. Well, some of it, you know, the, my fam- the family tree lyrics, obviously, I just, uh, my three brothers all had babies all at once, so there's a whole lot of new family, in, like, new flags unfurled in my family, like heaps of new kids, uh, which is nice, and just, you know, little little digs at my family. I will, yeah, there's a few different songs that actually I have got meaning and, you know, stuff about cousins that have gone off the rails and this, that and the other. But um, I guess, yeah, you don't want to offend anybody, as I said, so you just sort of keep it to yourself a bit. Yeah, and I do worry about telling people what songs are about. And I think it's hilarious when, you know, a million years later, Bob Dylan says, my songs didn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was just rhyming couplets. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's been uh, really awesome, awesome chatting with you. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to kind of get your point of view uh, on what you think success is because, and this is something that I've been kind of, I guess, dissecting and unpacking for myself over the last 12 or so months. Um, you know, you've, you've got an amazing career, an amazing family, how do you kind of feel uh, about, you know, the word, the term or the significance of success? 
Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, <clears throat> I was thinking, I mean, before any of this happened, I thought, is it about the money? Is it about the recognition? Is it about, what is it about? Like, But then I didn't really, I don't really enjoy the recognition of, you know, your person in the street sort of going, you know, like, I don't, I mean, I'm always polite and lovely and I appreciate that, but it's, it is, it's its own prison. So I think that um, being able to write amazing songs and not be recognised is probably a better form of success because then you actually have a proper career that that's, that um, that people that you respect would recognise, um, but you don't need to be recognised by the masses, I think. And, and I think if you could make a living for your family and not have to leave home, I think that would be success. Mm. And your husband might say if we could live on the coast. Yeah, that would be his success. But then I would be bored <laughs> to tears. <laughs> but you could drink all the coffee martinis you wanted. <laughs> yeah, that's making me sound really good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, Kylie, I'm a bored old lady. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's alcoholic nothing... perhaps. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, you got to do something while he's out hanging out on the beach. Exactly. Well, he can surf. I can't. I suppose I could learn, but I've tried. I just I have no upper body strength. Mm. I'm sure you have a very, very strong diaphragm, though. I do. <laughs> I could blow you off the stage. <laughs> yeah, you could blow. You could blow the waves for him to surf on. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kylie, for uh, for getting up at a horrific hour on a Sunday morning. And- <laughs> Devoting your Sunday morning to having a long-winded ramble with me. Um, I finish every conversation with one question, and that one question is, what makes you silly? (laughs) Champagne. Champagne. (laughs) (laughs) And my cousins and my girlfriends. Yeah, like I had the best day the other day because I had my launch, and the next day my cousins gave me a little barbecue where it was just us and just my besties, and it was so nice just to be able to wear every single thing in my wardrobe that had flowers on it and drink buckets of champagne till it came out my nose and just didn't have to impress anybody. I love that. So mm. we did all silly daggy dancing and singing along to all our favourite songs and it was just, yeah, marvellous. Fantastic. It sounds like <laughs> a little slice of heaven. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kylie. Thank you, Alistair. Lovely to talk to you. Amazing to chat with you.
We're part of a tree, so take it.